Well, we all instinctively know that this world is broken. It's, it's not as it should be. A great example of this is the problem that we're facing of school shootings. In, in 1999 in Columbine High School in Colorado, uh, two students came into that school and killed 12 other students and a teacher. They wounded over 20. Prior to 1999, and I think the, the timeline of this is important, Prior to that, really, school shootings had been one, two, maybe, maybe three uh, people killed in a school shooting. Many of those were actually accidents, uh, which reading some of those uh, were interesting that there was a day where like they had shooting classes in a school, which uh, that seems bizarro today. But many of those instances were, were uh, you know, kind of those numbers. And so we've seen a pretty amazing and heartbreaking trend since 1999. In 2005, 10 were killed at Red Lake, Minnesota. In 2007, 33 were killed at Virginia Tech. Then in 2012, 27 were killed at Sandy Hook Elementary. Then three years later, in 2015, 10 were killed at an Oregon Community College. And then in 2018, 17 were killed at Parkland High School in Florida. And then 2018 as well, 10 were killed here in Texas at Santa Fe High School. And then, of course, this past May, May 24, 22 were killed at Robb Elementary in Uvalde. Believe the Lord protects those who trust Him. But there's a second thing He calls us to believe. Believe the Lord will not allow the wicked to ultimately rule. Look with me again at verse 3. For the scepter of the wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. At least the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. Scepters are carried by rulers as a symbol of their ruling authority, right? So what's going on here is the images of a wicked ruler who continues to attack. He continues to try and take the mountain. He continues to try to take Jerusalem. However, what's going on here is he's, uh, the psalmist is telling us is that he's not going to ultimately prevail. He's going to keep attacking, but the Lord will not allow the wicked to ultimately rule. Now, the problem with a verse like this is, is that it can seem like the wicked are prevailing. Like we can look around and see, we can see so much brokenness, we can see so much uh, difficulty, and we can find it hard to believe that the Lord is not going to allow them to ultimately prevail. So when we struggle to believe, we, we prevail, uh, when we struggle to believe that He is going to prevail, we really need to remember a couple of things. We need to remember uh, our history, and we need to remember His promises. Like, going back to the Bible, if you remember the history of God's people with God, it's this great story of God prevailing, not the wicked prevailing, right? Like, like go all the way back to Abraham and Joseph and, and Moses and Joshua. And in all those examples, God didn't allow the wicked to ultimately prevail, right? Like, go to King David. God established King David. God spread King Solomon's rule. The Sanhedrin, they weren't able to crush the disciples. The Romans couldn't stop the spread of the church, and the devil himself couldn't hold Jesus into the grave. So we have this great, glorious history of God prevailing. But I also think it's important to remember our personal histories. Like, we all have these histories of God enabling us to prevail and doing these glorious things through His church. Like, we need to remember those things, the way God prevails in the lives of ordinary people like you and me. Like, we need to remember when He carried us through drunkenness or when He restored our marriages or when He gave us peace through opposition or joy and hope through grief. And further, we need to share those stories. 
But in addition to remembering our histories, we need to remember and believe his promises. I go all the way back to Adam and Eve. They fell and there was this snake that came. But God promises to crush the head of the serpent. With Joshua, he promised to, uh, to take God's people into the promised land. Paul needed to remember the promise of eternity for those who had faith in Christ. And today, we need to remember the promise that the wicked will not ultimately prevail. We need to remember the promises. See, brokenness is not ultimately going to win. The, the failures that we see all around us, that's not the end of the story. The righteous king is returning, and he's going to set up a righteous rule, which means we need to pray for a few things. The first thing we need to pray for in verse 4 is we need to pray for the Lord's goodness on the good. Look, look with me again at verse 4. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Verse 4 is a, a prayer. There's kind of been a shift from talking about God to talking to God here. And it's this prayer of supplication, asking God to be faithful to the faithful. Do good to those who do good. It's a, it's a prayer because that's not always what he sees around him. He doesn't always see good people doing good things and then good things happening as a result. So he prays to God for that. And, and listen, that's a reminder that the Bible never teaches that if like you do it, if like you live this perfectly good life, then only good things are going to happen to you. Like there's this conundrum that most people have when they walk away from the faith or reject the faith is, you know, how, how, can, how can you believe in a good God when there's so much bad in the world? Well, <laughs> the Bible has a lot to say about that. Like the Bible does not teach, okay, you go be good and then only good things will happen to you. Friend, just look at the life of Christ and you can see something different there, right? The, the one who is the most righteous the most wicked things happen to him. The Bible is very clear on this point. And we don't live upright lives as some sort of formula manipulating God's goodness. If that's why you're here, you're here for all the wrong reasons and you're going to be disappointed. If you're here to check some sort of good religious box and then, you know, think everything's going to go smoothly for you now, like that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? Jesus lived the most upright life and he was vilified, hated, falsely accused, abused, and then murdered. However, that's not the end of the biblical story. That's not all that God offers for us. So we might see evil in this world, but goodness will come as the good king returns and rules. Our role in the kingdom is to live faithful, upright lives, praying, praying for the good king to do good to those who are, are good. He controls the outcomes and the circumstances, not us. So when we see good people doing good, we're to pray for them. Friends, I don't know about you, when I listen to the news, it discourages me, right? But when I spend time with ordinary, real, faithful Christians, it totally encourages me. Are you the same way? Like, like I see so many good people doing good things. And part of our role is to pray for them in that. Are you praying for those in our country and our community who are doing good things? Today, as uh, Shannon shared, is where the missions team is hosting a little lunch uh, for Derek Atkins. Derek has been one of our longtime covenant members, has been faithfully uh, serving uh, um, uh, recently in Singapore. 
He's a professor at the East uh, Asia School of Theology. Singapore is this uh, unique place in the world where it's very uh, uh, ethnically diverse. People come from all over the world to Singapore uh, to study and do business and to live. There's all these different people groups there. And so they had this unique opportunity to train people who are then going to go be missionaries all over the world. It's an amazing strategic ministry. Derek's doing great work there. And, and, and listen, we're going to get together and just hear more about what he's doing. But my question is, is are we praying for Derek? Are we praying for the East Asia School of Theology? Friends, there's a lot of evil in the world. However, there's also a lot of good. And even if you're bedridden, and even if you have no money to your name, you can have a great prayer ministry. You, you can pray for all of these good things that are going on. You can pray for the Lord's goodness on the good. Second, in verse 5, the first part of verse 5, he calls us to pray for the Lord's justice on the evil. Look at the first part of verse 5. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evil doers. This is a declaration, but it's a, it's a prayer of sorts. This is his desire and his desire for what uh, he wants the Lord to do. Just as it's good and right to pray for those who are good and right, that God would do good and right by them. It's also good and right to pray for God's justice against evil. I understand that we need action on the issue of school shootings. And I also understand that simply saying that uh, you'll pray for something, like that can be a dodge towards tangible things. That can be kind of a flippant thing that people say. But I really bristle at the idea of diminishing prayer in, in moment in tragic moments like that. Friends, those poor families in Uvalde, they need prayer. They need God's people praying for them. We need to pray for protection of our schools when the year starts again. There's great evil and injustice in our world, and we're called to pray against it. Pray for the Lord's justice in this evil world. And finally, pray for the Lord's peace on his people. Peace be upon Israel. What a great way to land the plane of this psalm. Peace be upon Israel. Israel, that term can be used in a numerous different ways uh, in the Bible. It, it can refer to those who are ethnically Jewish. It, it can actually refer to a place, the promised land there in Palestine, that that's Israel. It can refer to the northern kingdom as distinguished from the southern kingdom of, of Judah. It, it can refer to the, the elect, the, the believers amongst the ethnically Jewish people. It, it can also actually refer to Jesus himself. But I think in, in this case, and this is the best way to interpret it, it's referring to God's people. Peace be upon God's people. I, th I think that's the best way to understand that. And, and if that's the way we interpret this, that means this applies to us today. Peace be upon believers today. But specifically, the prayer is for shalom or holistic peace. One way to understand shalom or this type of peace that he's talking about is inner peace as well as outer peace. He's praying for things on the inside to be as they should be. On the inside, it should be marked by wholeness and happiness and harmony. But also, our insides and our outsides, of course, are connected. So he's praying for uh, peace on the outside. On the outside, things should be as they should be. So there should be wholeness and, and happiness and harmony on the outside. Friends, we should pray for the Lord's goodness on the good. We should pray for the Lord's justice on the evil, but we should also pray for his peace for each other. Are you praying for your church? Listen, as 
Uh, Shannon shared, there's a lot of change going on here. By God's grace, our, our church is growing and uh, we're, we're you know, having to make a lot of decisions, which means we need a lot of prayer. But, but I think more important than that, are we praying for each other's souls? Do you pray for the hearts of the people in this room? Do, do you pray for each other's peace? Do you pray for that inner as well as outer faithfulness for the people in your church? We need prayer because this world is so broken. And there's always challenges to what we believe. And we need each other to pray for each other. It's easy for each of us to believe that this world is all that there is. We, we can look around at all the personal struggles and then subtly just stop believing that He will protect us. Therefore, we need to come together and pray for each other. You, you see, we can look at all the brokenness and scandal and corruption in this world and, and really wonder, you know, is God really ruling? Therefore, we need a church. We need a church home to pray for us. Like we can look around us and we can see general evil in the world and question, is God really good? Is this all that there is? That's why we need a, a church to come together and to pray for us. Some of you have experienced great harm. Some of you have experienced great abuse and, and, and wickedness. And, and you're tempted to believe that, you know what? Is God really going to bring justice for me? That's why you need a, a church family to come around you. you. You can look around at the world around us and you see so much anxiety and fear. So many people trapped in that. And that's why we need each other to pray for each other. Do you believe this world is all that there is? Do you remember when the angel came to Joseph to tell him about Mary? Here's what the angel said. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Sin is why Jesus came. You might be wondering, okay, what's the big deal about sin, and, and what does it have to do with all that we're talking about about this world? Well, sin is the root problem of all the problems in our world. It's the root problem of all of it. Sin's why you look out and see, much, and see so much uh, struggle and anxiety and brokenness around you. But sin is also why when you look inside, you see so much insecurity and anxiety and, and battles with, with things like bitterness. Sin is the root of all of that. That's why Jesus told us in John 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, sin has infected each individual and change needs to happen in our hearts before it can change anything else. That's why we need the gospel. And that's why Jesus preached, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now listen, I, I say all that to say that this world will always be marked by a level of struggle and brokenness and evil and fear. This world is always going to be marked by that. However, the world to come, the world that we hope in the world to come, that's going to be marked by shalom and peace. That's what we're to pray for based on Psalm 125. That day is coming. But if you believe that this world is all that there is, friends, that you're then going to be consumed by this world. You're going to be controlled by this world. You're going to be scarred by the fallenness of this place. However, if you are born again and you believe that King Jesus will return, your hope is going to be in another world. And as a result of that, you're going to experience this stability, this stability that then produces protection and rule and goodness and justice and peace. So you, do you believe that this world is all that there is? Psalm 125 is a, a call to come together and 
confess confidence. We're to confess confidence not in this world or in this world's ideas or in this world's rulers. We're to come together to confess our confidence in King Jesus, this one that is going to come and make all things new and make all things right. And when we trust, we have confidence in Him and the world that is to come, then we're able to experience this world in a different way. We're to experience His protection, His rule, His goodness, justice, peace, and be with Him forever. This type of trust and confidence, it's what keeps us stable, like this immovable mountain. No matter what the world throws at us, it just keeps us stable. Thinking about stability this week, I remembered the story that a friend of mine told about his dad. Um, His dad was a banker. But what I always thought was unique about this story is he was a banker in one of the most impoverished uh, counties in the country. And this, uh, if you read J.D. Vance's Hillbilly Elegy, it it was one of those types of communities. Like mining had left, manufacturing had left, and there was just a, a hopelessness that set in into this community. And as a result of that hopelessness, there were all these problems that came, drug use, addiction to opioids, all of those things were on the rise. However, my friend's dad, he had grown up in that community, and he felt this conviction to come back make that his home, raise his family there, and, and just stay. And, and over the years, he, he was good at what he did, and over the years, he had opportunities to leave and, and go to more prosperous cities, better, more prosperous banks. But, but he, just, he just stayed. Now, you know, his heart's desire was for his community, and that's why he stayed. Now, listen, he, he, he wasn't doing charity, okay? Like, he, he had a bank to run, okay? He had, he had a profit to turn, and, and so, and he ran it accordingly, but, but he, he did all the normal stuff that like a banker does. Like he, he sponsored the local teams. He supported his church. He participated in charities in the community. But his, his real blessing to that community was his stability, that, that he just stayed. He just remained faithful. You see, he was a genuine believer. He loved his family. He loved his church. He loved his community. And he did the best he could to make all of those things better. However, his hope was not in that community. His, his hope was not in this world. He knew that he was really just passing through. And that gave him the freedom to just stay. It gave him the power and the ability to, to just be that stable force in that community. Therefore, he didn't get wrapped up in all the tossing of trends. His focus was on real people right in front of him. He didn't get fearful about the future. He knew it would all work out in the end. Therefore, he was able to sacrificially love his family. He was able to uh, sacrificially shepherd in his church and sacrificially give to his community around him. He died a number of years ago, and his son posted a, a picture of him this week on social media. And um, he, he was truly at peace when he died. He, he was one of those men that just wasn't scared of death based upon what he believed. And his community, when he passed away, listen, it, it's still an impoverished community, okay? There, there's still real problems they're trying to figure out. They're still trying to figure out how to bring good jobs back to that community. However, real people sung his praises in the end. Like, uh, he had a real wife who really loved him. Children who were blessed to have known him. A, a family that was brokenhearted, but at the same time just filled with gratitude to have him as a husband and a father to have known him. 
Friends, this world um, is and it will always be a mess. But like the in biblical times, verse 2, the scepter of wickedness shall not rest. However, like he says in verse 1, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, and the Lord surrounds his people. The Lord blesses those who trust in him. He blesses them with stability. Through the stability, people are then blessed. Through the stability, we experience God's protection, his rule, his goodness, his justice, and his peace. Therefore, believe and trust him. Believe the Lord protects those who trust him. But believe that the Lord would not allow the wicked to ultimately rule. Pray that the, the Lord's pray the Lord's goodness on those who are doing good. Pray the Lord's justice on those who are doing evil. And pray for the Lord's peace on his people. May peace be upon Israel. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would be a people marked by peace, shalom, that we would have an inner and an outer strength and stability and hope that comes only from trusting in you. Through all the ups and downs of this world, may we be a people who trust in you. Lord, do a work in our community. Do a work in this church family where we encourage each other to trust you in greater and greater ways. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen.